Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Aligned Performance Podcast, the podcast that deep dives beyond the daily hustle to show you how you can achieve high performance with purpose so that you can thrive at the highest level possible and have a positive impact on the world around you. My name is Trang, I'm your host for the show, and today I am very excited and honored to be sitting down with Dr. Victoria Sickley. She is a physical therapist and running coach from Manhattan in New York. Now, if you've been following me for a while now, you'll know that I am into my running, sometimes my triathlons as well, and physical training as well as physical health and fitness is a big part of how I choose to improve my state of mind, my emotions, as well as my sense of adventure, challenge, and quality of life overall. So I'm really excited to actually dedicate this episode purely to have fun chats and discussions about running. This episode is for anyone who is interested in running, anyone who is thinking about getting into it or has already been running for a while because Victoria and I simply have a good chat all about Victoria's story and her journey with running, all the different aspects of running from strength training, how to avoid injury, how to spread out running across a week, the different types of running sessions, and essentially covering the basis for you to get a good understanding of why we love running so much. Victoria is such a bubbly personality as you'll find out soon. She is a joy to talk to and very fun (laughs) to listen to. So enjoy this podcast. Here it is, my conversation with Dr. Victoria Sekely. Dr. Victoria Sekely, welcome to the Aligned Performance Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to connect and to have this conversation because I know that running, um, exercise in general, is a topic that we're both extremely passionate about. So there's a lot to talk about in this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I feel like this is a long time coming and it's going to be great. Yeah, for sure. So let's get started by getting to know you a little bit more. How did you get into the world of running and find your way to specialize as a running physical therapist and a running coach? Well, really, my running journey starts, honestly, uh, quite some time ago. Um, My mom, when I was younger, uh, she was training for um, her first half marathon. um, And I she just one day I, I played competitive tennis um, when I was younger and she just one day said, Hey, you know, to supplement your tennis training, why don't you come on my runs with me? And it ended up becoming this whole thing where I uh, ran my first half marathon at 12 and I was, wow. um, it was something that I loved doing something that I could do with my mom as well, which I've, I've very rarely had that chance. And um, yeah, that's pretty much how it started for me. I, I lost touch from it a little bit um, just because tennis became more of the priority but running was always something I did for myself and it it's honestly been my my one true love in terms of um, athletics and sports so once I went to physical therapy school and went through the whole process I started working 
And I recognized that every time a runner came in and, and I was treating a runner, my eyes just lit up and I felt um, kind of a deeper connection. Not to say that I didn't have connection with some of my other clients, but it just felt more like a true passion. So I, I just went with it. I took as many courses as I possibly could take in running and obviously the education never ends. So I, I don't, I don't want to sit here and say that I know nearly as much as I need to, but um, yeah, I, I, I found that that's really what kind of lit up my, my soul is to talk about and to learn about running and runners and how to improve, how to improve their lives. Really? <laughs> yeah. Long-winded answer. <laughs> no, that's that's really cool. And we know that running has huge benefits for our physical health and fitness, but you know, it translates into many other areas of life as well. And that's something that we will be touching on um later in the episode. But I would actually love to hear, Victoria, um, your experience of running your first half marathon at age 12, did you say? Um, because that's, that's, I guess, for anyone who doesn't know, a half marathon is 21 kilometers, um, or 21.1 kilometers, um, in miles. What's it? What is it in miles? It's 13.1. There we go. 13.1. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like it's a big achievement. Uh, and I'd say, you know, most 12 year olds aren't running those distances. I remember when I was 12, I was barely running three Ks at school cross country. Um, but yeah. what, was, what was your experience like doing that? You know, how did you find it? What was the re- response from people around you? Yeah, that's a great question. I have to say, honestly, we didn't get a lot of good response. I, I remember going into the running shoe store to find a pair of running shoes and my mom, you know, was, was proud of me that I was going on these longer runs with her and she, she would tell the employees and they would kind of be like, that's not good for her joints. Like she's going to have developmental problems, joint issues. Um, and it was one of those things where, like I said, uh, I guess I didn't touch on this enough is I, my first sport was tennis. My whole family plays tennis and I was out on the tennis court for three, four hours a day. So mm. the runs didn't really seem like it was that much. I, I don't know. Maybe it seems crazy at the time. And, and honestly, I'm nowhere near half marathon shape right now. And to think that I could do it then seems crazy. But um, yeah, the, the general response wasn't great. Um, but we didn't really think twice about it. I kind of just signed up and, and enjoyed the training with my mom. And it kind of supplemented what I was doing with my tennis schedule. And, and then when I did the half marathon, everyone was very supportive at the event. Like I remember passing or not passing, but running next to or by runners and and everyone was really, it just seemed happy for me. It was a very happy event. And that's kind of what got me into the love of it is I felt like it was such a great achievement um, on my part that I did on my own, not being pushed on the tennis court like I normally was. And, and it just was a good, you know, a good feeling, just like any first race would feel, I, I think, for, for anyone who really finds their true, true love. And not many people do with their first races, but that's kind of how it was for me. <laughs> Does that yeah. make sense? <laughs> yeah, totally. It's really interesting because like as physiotherapists slash physical therapists, we understand yeah loading in different sports and it's funny mm-hmm. because yeah look, people look at long distance running or even weightlifting in young people and it yeah. seems like a lot of load but mm-hmm. you know you would have experienced this in tennis that change of direction and the really high intensity burst it's actually right more taxing on the body and that's something that people might not necessarily think about right 
Exactly. I, I just think that people, uh, you know, when, when people make these comments about like, even the, the, the kids who are weightlifting and everything, it's like, they don't really understand what, you know, you can't judge just from their age. You have to also look at kind of what work they've put in. And if they're prepared to do so, look, there aren't 10 year olds going to lift, you know, 300 pounds without some kind of training beforehand. Mm. So if you're putting in the right type of work and, and you feel good, I don't think that there should be any kind of negative connotation around what you want to do as, as an athlete, as a young athlete. I mean, there are some very young gymnastic athletes who are doing even crazier things. So it's yeah, just the judgment. True. There's a lot of judgment around long distance running, I think, in general. So that that's probably where it came from, just like you mentioned. Mm, yeah yeah that's a good point so Victoria you um your coaching and your physical therapy um work is through um your business train smart run strong which I love that name so (laughs) how did you come up with that name and how does train smart run strong represents the way that you work with runners well, I think it all comes from, um, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm kind of one of the, I'm a very intermediate runner. I've never really achieved big things with my running, definitely not elite level. Um, and, and I got injured one time and, you know, this was when I was, I, I think I was either in physical therapy school or I had just graduated and I did absolutely no strength training. I was just running because I loved running and I didn't really think twice about it. And the only way I got through that first running injury was through strength. And it kind of opened up my eyes. And I recognized that I didn't want to run fast. I didn't want to win races. I just wanted to feel strong. And so that's kind of where the whole run strong came from. And that, that's kind of what carried me through. And I figured, you know, you kind of have to train the right way. So I was going back and forth between train right, run strong or train smart, run strong and train smart, run strong kind of just stuck. And and that's, (laughs) but it really does come from my, my love and my finding for strength training quite almost too late, you know, (laughs) after physical therapy school, probably after I should have known better. Um, But it, it, it just kind of stuck. Yeah. That's so good. And and what was the injury that you experienced around that time? Uh, it was like Achilles tendonitis. Basically, my ankle was very weak um, and I was getting a little bit of post-tib, Achilles tendonitis, the whole shebang in my left ankle. My, my left side's always been weaker. So, um, yeah, it wasn't really one thing. It was just I just wasn't doing any of the work that I needed to do to run the miles that I was running at the time <laughs> mm. somehow carried me through until, until it doesn't, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and with the work that you um, do with the runners now, what does that look like and what's your main mission with um, helping them? Yeah. So I think a lot of it is just empowerment and recognizing that, um, you know, injuries don't necessarily mean the end of the world. I think that a lot of runners get very upset because just the thought of not being able to run is it, it, it really messes up your whole routine. And I think that can be really upsetting for a lot of people. And I think just recognizing that, A, you know, we can, we can work through this and B, kind of getting them to 
understand the mechanics and what it takes to really be a runner. Um, that's, that's really what the journey is about is just really education and knowledge and, and, and teaching as much as I can to understand what running's about. And I think a lot of people appreciate that at the end of the day, mm. not just kind of like um, the assessment of their bodies necessarily, but just recognizing the whole point to running. <laughs> Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I guess like, you know, I always say like that we work with people or, you know, humans, right? Not just like bodies. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and that really becomes um, true when the evidence also suggests that, you know, when you look at other factors of people's lives, it increases their chances of success with their rehab and of their training as well. And, And people feel that, right? Like people will relate more and actually get more motivated through having a strong relationship and and working at a more holistic level rather than just like figures or stats or whatever. Absolutely. You said it very beautifully there. It's really just recognizing that you're more than just a body that it's, you know, just because you might not have running for a bit, you're, you still have purpose and there's other things we can work on. And I, I love the way you put it thanks so um we're on opposite sides of the world um i'm in yes. australia you're in beautiful new york in the u.s so i think a lot of the listeners uh from australia we've got listeners from all over the world as well but i'm sure we would love to hear about the different sites and the different um, locations that you get over there so where are some of your favorite places to run I love that question. Um, in Manhattan specifically, well, currently I've been running along the Hudson River. So that's on the west side of Manhattan, um, just because I, I live pretty close to there. But um, so that's a beautiful spot. They've really redid the entire parks and everything. So it's, it's a very pretty run. Um, Central Park, I mean, people will be shocked that I didn't say that first, but Central Park is it's it's everything that you would imagine it to be it's a beautiful park in the middle of a bustling city and that was my number one run spot in my last um when I used to live in my last apartment building um but it gets really busy especially during the pandemic when gyms were closed I feel like everyone decided to take up their running shoes and just get outside which was probably for the better but um yeah it's like you're you're kind of dodging in and out between people and and it gets pretty intense sharing the road with the bikers sometimes um so there's kind of like an art and a dance and it's also shockingly hilly like you would not think that there were crazy all the hills have names there's cat hill um which is you know deadly and then there's harlem hill which is the worst um but (laughs) that's a great spot and then uh you could pretty much along the east river is great too it's 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 beautiful for sunrises that's 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 the best um because you're really getting the best making the most out of a beautiful morning on the east side but yeah does that describe it well enough (laughs) yeah well that's really interesting because i i don't know about other people but my perception of central park i think in movies is portrayed as pretty flat so i'm surprised Mm. to hear it's shockingly hilly like i I did my entire, when I was training for a marathon last year, um, before everything shut down, I did all of my training in Central Park. And I was kind of like, I I felt so confident just because I was like, the amount of hills that I'm getting here, even if it's the hilliest marathon, like I'm prepared because it's it's wild. (laughs) 
Like there were okay. times when I, I could not make it up the hill and would have to walk. I mean, several times, but <laughs> the first time you actually run it, you're like, wow, I'm strong. I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like good hill training unintentionally. It's like hill training. Yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking of um, events, uh, so you've been running for a lot of your life. What are some of your most memorable running events or achievements that you've had? That's a, that's a very interesting question. And I want to put it this way is I actually have, haven't really run that many races. I've run three half marathons. I actually never ended up doing the full because it got canceled the day after I ran my 20 miler. Um, I've done a couple sprint triathlons, but nothing really of note. And I want to say it's because running has been my love and I have never felt like I've needed to compete with it um, because I competed so much in my tennis life. And that made me not love it as much. Um, So running has always been true to my heart, my passion, the thing that I do for myself, not for others. Um, so the training hasn't really happened, like I said, except for the marathon last year. I, I think the last half marathon I ran was, I want to say like 2018. Oh, no, no, wait. I did a half marathon last year when I was training, but, um, but one before that was 2017, 2018. And, and before that was probably like 2011. <laughs> mm. Like I haven't done that many races, so I can't even really, I can't even really say that there was another special moment. Um, I guess my PR last year when I ran the half marathon, that was the best shape I've ever been in, um, before everything shut down and I would have loved to run the full, but you know, things just happen that way. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone yeah. has a story of how they, you know, a running event or a triathlon event even, um, was yeah. place due to the events that we all know, uh, started last yeah. year. But I love, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. I love what you're saying though about running. I think everyone has their own why and their own, um, you know, um, personal motivation for why they run. But a a big thing is that running is always going to be there for you. And if you, um, you know, enjoy it as a lifestyle, then you don't need to rely on anything external, right? Exactly. uh, That's that's perfectly put. Yeah, I, I just have never felt the need to really train. I mean, the reason I signed up for the full marathon and I was, I was, I was kind of like, to be completely honest with you, was like, if I'm going to work with runners, I want to have that on my resume. And now I recognize that it's not even that important, you know, to, to have that. Like, I still know what I'm doing when I'm treating runners. I don't have to say that I've been through every single race there's ever been in the book. Um, I just, we share the love for running and that's more than enough in my eyes. Yeah, I think that's a really great, point that you bring up because I'm sure that a lot of people will resonate with what you just said I know um, I've spoken about this recently but whether people are run coaches or physical therapists or even they are you know recreational runners um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of it gets to a point where, you know, everyone's doing one thing and, and then people mm-hmm. feel like they want to keep up and, and this is at an unconscious level. So they might not even realize it, but then, you know, t- tying their self-worth with the distance that they've run or yes. how many events that they've run this year. Um, so I think it's great that you bring that up so that other people can recognize that and, and share that it's okay to do what's right for you. Uh, and it doesn't mean yeah. that you have these things on your resume, as you say. 
And that's also why I advocate on my Instagram a lot to run without your watch. I feel like we've become way too obsessed with that. Strava, I'm not even on, is Strava a thing in Australia? You yes, it is? is. It's pretty okay. big. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, it is, okay. Yeah, so you, so you know. Um, I don't even have a Strava because I'm like, I, there's just no point in in competing in that sense. You know, I mean, I, I understand the people who really love the competition and love to be like, oh, or, or maybe even competing against themselves. I totally understand that, but it doesn't have to happen always. Um, and I think that sometimes I, I've talked to a lot of clients who can get really down on themselves just from the numbers. And it's like, yeah. we need to, we need to kind of move away from the numbers and think more about how, how did that run feel? How are you feeling overall? Cause then that leads us down a really bad road of no recovery days, not enough rest, just pushing ourselves to the max. And I think that's the worst things that we can do, to be honest, as runners. Yeah, definitely. And and I'm the same as you, Victoria. Like I, I have a Strava, but it's all private. And I, I really go yeah. on. I use Garmin primarily for my own. Yeah. Um, but I've definitely spoken to people who, yeah, like you say, feel down because uh when you're looking at other people's stats all the time, you unconsciously mm-hmm. naturally compare yourself. Um, and then it, yep. it can get to the point where people are, you know, modifying their training and, and going faster or harder than they should be because mm-hmm. they feel like they're being watched and they need to show up in a certain way. Um, so right. yeah, I think, I think this is a really important conversation to have actually, especially for beginner runners, you know, any runner really, because there's always going to be so, unless you're the fastest runner in the world, there's yeah. going to be someone who's right. faster than you. So people at every level, people will have that sense of, yeah, like I need, I should be faster. And, and that never ends, does it? I think even for the fastest runners in the world, I think it, it might even be worse for them because they feel like they're constantly in, you know, under a microscope needing to perform. And, you know, let's, let's recognize that the majority of us, A, are not elite and B, we have the luxury to, to not have to post our time and not have to do the best we need to do at every single race. And I think that we need to take that for granted at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like, even, you know, people who get inspired, like either inspired or even kind of like sometimes, um, yeah, comparing themselves to each other. Cause I had this the other Mm -hmm. day, I was speaking to someone and I was like, I actually get really inspired by you. You know, you do X, Y, Z and they're like, I get inspired by you. And it's like, it it goes ways. Um, uh, and I'm saying this inspirational, context but then I know it does happen with comparison as well like you know ne- like unhealthy comparison where it gets people down where one person might be comparing themselves to someone else and then it, it actually goes the other way so it's just like it, it never um it it never ends because what yeah. is on Strava which is, or what's on social media isn't actually a reflection of the, the whole picture Right, exactly. It's not the full story. People could be posting these times and little do you know, there might be hobbling off with like the worst injury of their lives. Mm. And you have no idea what's going on. So it's it, the comparison. I think it, it's, it's tough because the age of social media, there's, you can post about your run anywhere from, from any, anything that you're doing on your watch, on your phone, on Instagram, on Strava, on 
Twitter. I don't know if that's actually a thing, but um, yeah, I mean, you can post it anywhere and people do. And that, and that, I, I think it's great to an extent. I think that especially with running people who are very, we're usually very competitive and, and almost to the point of type A where I, I think it's just better to almost recognize that you're doing enough. <laughs> you're yeah. doing enough and to just stay focused on your own goals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, for, yeah. for people who are, you know, listening to this and they're getting into running, um, as we mentioned earlier, it's no secret that running does boost or any exercise boosts mm. physical health and fitness, but there mm. is a lot of science and experience um, stories on how the benefits extend beyond physical health and fitness. Mm. So, you know, in mm. your work, um, in your own personal experience as well, how have you found that running or exercise translates so positively in so many other areas of life? Absolutely. I want to, I want to preface this by treading lightly because I've recently, you know, I used to kind of joke around and say running is my therapy and, and to, to an extent it is, I I also want to, like I said, preface it by saying that it's not therapy. Um, And the the only reason I'm bringing this up is my, my sister's um, a psychologist. So it's important to recognize that like, there's a difference, (laughs) but what you said in terms of the benefits of being active and doing something you love. I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing that, that can replace that really. And, and running specifically, I mean, there's no secret that you get um, a serotonin rush or whatever it is, dopamine rush after your runs. It's the runner's high. That's, that's the truth. Um, And I think that, you know, if you're doing it for yourself, really um, is, I think it's the best thing you can do. I feel like does that did that answer cut it? Yeah, yeah. Um, have you found like with your own running? Have you found that it uh, influences, I guess, like your state of mind when you go into the work day or in, like other areas of your life as well? What have, what is your absolutely, absolutely? I think my experience with it, like like many people, has been up and down. You know, there have been times in my life where I have not had a good day because I didn't get my run in. And I don't think that's necessarily healthy, mm. but finding a balance where you do it because you love it and you do it because it makes you feel good. That's a great place to be in. And that is totally achievable and attainable. I think if you, if you come back to the reason that you do it, right. I, I think it, there is a fine line, but absolutely moving your body, getting yourself out there, especially, you know, there's nothing beats running in the early morning for me, feeling like you can do anything that day because you've accomplished this, this huge goal and you're getting out and you're moving and your body feels great. I think there's nothing better than that. Yeah. That's a good point that you bring, you know, going back to the the why and the reason why people do their running. Um, sounds like you've, you've experienced both ends of the spectrum where running has um, been really positive for you. And then mm. other times where if you miss a training session, that's like affected you, um, I guess, negatively for the day as well. What would be your Absolutely. recommendations to find that balance? Like what can people think about or tell themselves if they are finding themselves, you know, at, at that extreme end where it's like, yeah, I'm 
you know, if I don't get my run in, then I can't do anything mm-hmm. else. In my, or like, you know, everything else in my day is affected. Um, what's the thought process there? That's a fantastic question. I feel like I get this actually a lot um, in everyday life. Um, the one thing that is important to recognize is that recovery days are just as important, if not more important than running days. Mm. And I think that people don't recognize how important a rest day is um, and how much I think when you realize, wow, that rest day actually made my next run feel even better, then that becomes worth it. When you can kind of look at the bigger picture and be like, this is just one small run in the grand scheme of things in my goal and my training plan and whatever I'm at. Um, And maybe what my body is telling me is that I need a little bit of rest that might actually help me a little bit more than the miles I'm going to get under my legs. Um, I think that's, that's a really important point. Also recognizing, um, and this is kind of more the physical therapy standpoint is um, you're more likely to get injured if you are running when you've had very little sleep, when you're kind of like dragging your legs, when it just doesn't feel right. Um, and then for, especially for someone who's been injured, I'm sure that many people listening to this have been, or at least have experienced some type of, um, feeling of an injury. You don't want to go back there. (laughs) So you kind of, you kind of build this, um, you, you start to recognize and you start to really listen to your body. And I think once you can have that deeper connection with your body and also giving yourself the freedom and, and the grace to, to rest. Um, I, I don't think that we see that enough on social media. And that's why I try my best to post about my rest and recovery days as much as I can, because all you see is go, go, go post, post, post and smiles, smiles, smiles. And again, that's not, that's not the whole picture. So I think just recognizing the importance and, and realizing that it's more important than the training a lot of the times. Yeah, yeah. Because um, what's the equation? Like stress plus rest equals progress or something like that? I think I've just yes. butchered that. <laughs> yes, I love that. No, I love that. It was something like that. I'm not sure if it's progress, but it's, yeah, stress plus yeah. rest. Yeah, anyways. Right, you um, need to have part, both. It's part of the bigger equation, um, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. For beginner runners who are getting into running, I know that that is always a, you know, overwhelming time. It's a big step. Often there's a lot to think about as well as, you know, not even just beginner runners, but runners who want to step up if they want to go Mm. to the next distance or if they want to run faster. Uh, and everyone's always, you know, in this day and age, juggling a lot of different commitments. What are your tips mm-hmm. for runners to fit in their running and training consistently within a, mm. a schedule? That's a, that's a really hard question. I think it's very individual, but my biggest piece of advice is a, well, I have two. a, to work with a run coach because run coaches really are there to help you fit everything in your schedule. Um, it's not just going to be like, you get a stockpile plan from someone and you have to try and make it in your day. At least I know that you're probably the same way, but at least with me, all of my athletes, um, I, I ask them questions like, what is your day like? When would you prefer to run? What works for you? What doesn't work for you? And fit it into your plan. So a, a customized program, I think, is number one. And that can really only happen when working directly with a run coach instead of just Googling a plan um, on the internet. Number two is kind of goes the same way is 
building a schedule that works for you, recognizing, you know, if there's a full day that you have at work and you know, you're not going to get up for a run, be honest about that. You know, that becomes your rest day or that becomes, you know, a light strength day or, or something else that you can kind of work around. And, and having that schedule makes things feel a lot less stressful. Um, and just being open and honest about it with whoever you're working with, I think is the most important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Those are some good tips. Um, and then from there, I, I really <laughs> wanted to ask you this because I know in Melbourne we're like in the middle of winter at the moment. It's pretty, oh man, <laughs> nowhere near as cold as it gets over there. But for you, I know it gets very cold, like very cold in winter. Mm-hmm. And then it, you're, you'd be in summer now, so it gets really hot as well, right? Um, oh and, yeah. <laughs> And, you know, continuing to train in extreme weather conditions can make it more challenging for people. So for those who do want to be adhering to their program, whether they um, are training for an event or they just want to keep up the consistency, um, what what are some of the strategies that you've used to maintain your training through the different seasons? Um, Well, first off, I think preparation and planning is number one, kind of similar to the last question you know look at the weather five days in advance you can kind of understand what's going on maybe two or three days out whatever um number two be flexible um if there's a long run scheduled on your plan don't feel like you have to do it on that day it's not set in stone like that so you can kind of juggling it juggle it back and forth it doesn't have to be that set in stone in terms of training um but but personally what i've been through um First of all, I never thought I'd say this in my whole life, but I actually enjoy training for races in the winter more than I do the summer. Um, because like you said, it just gets so disgustingly hot here. Um, so much so that even like my dog can't, I can't even take him for a walk these past couple of weeks because it's been, and I know it in Celsius. So I'll tell you, it's been like upwards of 30 degrees, um, which is just, vile like it you you have to kind of you have to plan again it comes back to planning so if you want to do a run it get a run in that day don't go out at 2 p.m you Mm. know go out at 6 a.m 7 a.m or try and kind of like recognize maybe if you can't go in the morning you go late in the evening um and and that's how it is I mean in the winter it would be pretty much opposite like try and go in the middle of the day when when the sun's a little bit out but um yeah I personally preparation and it's also what you're you know how you're dressed so in cold weather I love layering I just and I also makes for really good um you know it can hold your gels you can put your water in your pockets like that was fantastic so <laughs> I love cold weather training I'm I'm honestly jealous of you right now that you're in that. <laughs> yeah I, I love that it's it's it, I think you're definitely in you know more of the minority who love um training in the cold yeah um, yeah, I, I yeah. you probably enjoy the the winter here in Melbourne because I don't fully know what it is in Fahrenheit, but in Celsius it it doesn't go below zero that often. But I know you know. Oh, so then nice. that's probably quite mild for you, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it depends. Manhattan is usually on the milder side too, and we honestly haven't gotten that much snow um, in the past couple of years here. But like I said, I'm from Toronto, so I'm used to like. No, you know, and like cold weather. So, um, yeah, if it if it stayed around zero or just above, that's like prime. Like I'm loving that. I remember 
last, I think it was 2020 now. God, I don't even know when that was. That was so long ago. But I remember there was a day in 2020, February, that I was doing a 16-mile run, and it was minus 16 degrees Celsius. And I was like, or maybe it was even Fahrenheit. I can't even remember. But uh, and I dressed up and I put on, you know, mitts and and a hat and I went out there and it felt great. Like, you know, make sure you do a warm up. But but I was like, I can't even believe because I am not the type to enjoy cold weather at all. But I will take it any day over this sticky. Like you can't you can't get away from the gross, hot atmosphere. You only get hotter. Like at least when you're, when you're running in the cold, you warm up. <laughs> that is true. Well, that explains so, things like, you know, you coming from Toronto, like no wonder you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're a little bit like crazier about the cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think those are some really great tips. Like it's like the saying, there's no bad weather, only bad clothing choices. Right. Um, mm, or exactly. Yeah. Because yeah, if you, if you layer up adequately, then you won't even need to feel the cold. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and guess what? There's you can never put on too many layers. And if you you know make a plan to run you know back to your apartment and and around it, or you make a deal with your like significant other that they'll meet you somewhere, you can always drop off clothing. Um, you can wear old clothes. Um, I know at least for the New York City Marathon, what they do here is they donate all the clothes that have been tossed to the side, but like, I'm sure there's something that you could figure out in, in that sense too. That's why it's always the best. You're going to get hotter and, and it's going to feel great in the cold. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there's, there's no better way to get warm than to, than to actually do a bit of exercise. It's the most, the most natural exactly. way to warm up inside out. Um, cool. Yep. So, so I know um, a lot of runners when they're getting into their running, uh, there's a lot of different factors they need to take into consideration. And one of the things is how to spread out their running sessions across um, the course of a week. Mm. I know this one for me uh, was one that I, at the very start when I didn't know that as much about running as I do now, um, how to spread things out and how often should people run and how long should they run. So what are the different ways that runners can structure their running across the week so that they can still adapt and get fitter and faster, but also prioritize recovery as well? Great question. I think that's something that often gets lost with training plans is, um, and this isn't necessarily what I do because I feel very structured in my week, but you can, like the seven day week doesn't have to be your training plan week. Um, You can have a 10 day plan, a 12 day plan, which allows for more rest days, um, more easy run days. You can get your hard days in and, and make sure that you kind of spread it out a little bit better. Um, But honestly uh, with the clients that I work with um, again, beginner to intermediate, just because the work week is Monday through Friday and then the weekends on Saturday and Sunday, we usually end up following a seven day plan just because it fits nicely into someone's schedule. Um, So my biggest piece of advice would be, you know, first of all, have your, what your goals are. Um, So if your goals are increasing mileage, then make sure that, you know, you have your hard days, like maybe your longer runs followed with an easy day or a rest day. So that's, that's my number one piece of advice. Know what your hard runs are. I probably wouldn't have more than like, two, maybe three in there that are considered your hard runs. 
I don't even know if I would go to three, um, but then make sure that the base, is, the, the majority of your plan is made up of easy running. Um, and I think that that gets lost on a lot of people. People don't know how to run easy. I still don't really know. How to. Yeah. Victoria, can you actually explain like the difference between what you consider a hard running session versus an easy running yeah. session? Yeah. I really go off effort. Um, I'm so into um, the effort scale. Like I, for a lot of my athletes, I actually don't schedule their, uh, for, for some of them I do, but for the majority of them, I don't schedule their runs based on like their, their paces that they're trying to hit. I go more based on effort. Cause I think it says a, a little bit more because your pace on one day could feel easy. And then on another day, when you're a little bit more tired could be hard. So pace, I think that especially when you're just starting out, isn't something that you have to focus on. So if you go by effort, you know, an easy run day, you should be around a two, three, four out of 10 in, in terms of difficulty. Um, on your hard days, you're looking more at like a six, seven, eight. Um, and, and it really depends on how you're feeling like for the majority of your run. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you've never run 12 miles in your whole life, um, I know you guys do it in kilometers, but whatever that is in kilometers. Times um, 1.6 is, is always um, yeah. my mental calculator. So, yeah, so yeah like closer I'm to so bad days, at math. So, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever that is. Let's say you haven't run that distance in your whole life. I would consider that a, a hard run, even though you might be doing it at an easy pace, like you've never done that before. So can you put that on your schedule as a, as a harder run, you know, based on the effort that you're going to put in to do it. Um, and that's really why I take kind of the effort training a little bit more um, seriously than I do pace based um, or I mean, heart rate training similar to effort, I believe. Um, so yeah, you can, you could do it either way. Yeah. I think that that is actually quite an eye-opening concept for a lot of new runners. Uh, that's like a mm-hmm. um, that's something that I explain in a whole you know video that I give to each of my new clients because it's it's mm. something that yeah not a lot of people um, they're, they're a lot of they're surprised about because when people first mm. start getting into running they almost expect that every run should feel hard, <laughs> especially yeah. when you're getting into it. You know, like everyone yeah kind of feel hard at the very start. Um, and then they're like, what? Like some runs can be easy, but yeah, as you say, it actually allows you to then recover. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And once you feel like you can actually go hard on your hard days, you will recognize the importance of the easy days because you'll want to do the hard days hard. Um, yes. And then you almost like won't have enough in the tank to do the easy days hard either. So you yes. can't keep pushing yourself. And I, and I think that's the number one thing that runners get stuck with is is most runners get injured because they overdid it. They did too much too soon, too like too quickly, too fast, too hard. Um, and that's that's what gets them injured at the end of the day. So you mm. either you learn early or you learn the hard way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what you're saying is to have that contrast, you know, make the easy sessions real easy so that the oh, yeah. hard session is going to be real hard rather than kind of like going too hard when it should be easy, then not going hard enough when it's meant to be hard and kind of staying in that middle gray zone. Exactly. It's kind of like, I think it was, um, I don't know if you know, Chris Johnson, the PT, um, Mm. he, I think that's literally his Instagram handle, but um, he, I think it was him who coined the, or I heard it from him first. um, It was like something like 80% of runners run at 80% of their um, effort level and 80% of runners get injured. So that, that goes, or no, 80% of runners run at 80% of their max 
80% of the time and 80% of runners get end up getting injured. So it's like you're doing too much for too many of your runs. <laughs> mm, I've never Does that heard make that. Sense? I like that. Yeah. 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 It, it really is eye-opening. <laughs> mm. And you mentioned, you know, a lot of runners get injured because they do go too hard too soon. And, and that is actually mm-hmm. one of the most um, – high uh, populate uh, groups that have highest rates of injury you know beginner runners so yeah. for someone who is yeah. getting into running and, and they're getting started what would be your recommendations on how quickly or how slow or what rates they should be building up into their running this is going to sound ridiculous but the first thing i want to say to this question is um well in 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 the in australia it would be 1.6k but one mile is long like uh, people come to me and they'll be like i i only ran a mile and it hurt and i'm like one mile is a thousand steps like that's a big deal especially if you never if that's the first time you ever like put your shoes on and ran and in quite some time like that's a big deal i think that people don't recognize how really how much effort that takes so I usually, my, my number one piece of advice would be don't even run the full time, you know, start with walk runs. And, and I think that's, that a makes it seem more doable and, and people feel way more successful when they start out that way. And you're at way less risk of injury. (laughs) So that, that would be my biggest piece of advice. Start with walk runs. There's no shame in that. Mm, yeah and that all ties into what we were talking earlier about Strava or even social media where you know the the standard the bar almost Mm. gets placed by what everyone else is doing so then that's where people kind of adopt this oh one mile is not that long but as you say it's a long way to go especially if it's relative to what that person's used to which may not be miles yeah right And, and that's the second thing that I get is well I used to run you know, my short runs used to be five miles and, and I'm like, how long ago? And they're like, oh, two years ago. And I'm like, well, you know, you kind of have to give yourself a little bit of grace here. You can't just pick right back up where you were, you know, it's like, uh, got to give yourself some time to build back. Um, and I think, again, a lot of people just want to be where they used to be, yeah. wherever that was. <laughs> yeah. So do you think, what do you think is the best kind of metric to, for someone to use in relative terms, like, so comparing to themselves or looking at themselves and two years ago might be too long ago. So what's the best kind of time frame that people should be looking at to use as a guide to build up? Well, I don't even know if, if you should be even making any comparisons with your previous self, whatever that was, or I, I think just focusing on what your goals are in the moment. So a lot of the the runners that I'll work with, um, especially ones that maybe used to run and then got injured and something happened, or maybe they're just finding the love of running again, is um, their number one goal almost always is to run and not get injured, right? So then it's like, well, there's no real rush. So why are you trying to compare back to kind of what was or what you're, what you see on Instagram people doing, um, and just kind of go at your own pace and maybe don't set a crazy goal, like a half marathon. I want to do it in a month. Maybe, you know, start nice and small and, and celebrate small wins. And I think that's kind of the best way to do it. Did that answer your question? I feel like there was something I was missing there. 
No, I think I think that describes things well. Like you know, um, I, I was thinking the acute workload, uh, acute chronic workload ratio, but um, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. just one very specific example. Yeah, I more guess. specific. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, whether you know how far, uh, like yeah, what p- would guide people to to build up their running? So yeah, not comparing to past self, not comparing to other people, but be guided by your goals right. and, and taking it easy. Sounds good. Yeah, um, exactly. So going back to the original question, like 20 minutes ago, <laughs> um, yeah. how runners can spread out their training. You mentioned, you know, have an easy run day after a hard run day. And sounds like mm-hmm. hard running includes like intensity, how hard it was, but also the distance relative to what, mm. you know, that runner is used to. Was there any other, um, other strategies for runners to spread out their running training across the week or um, was that the main one? Um, I think in terms of that, I would also say, well, A, getting back into running, like specifically for beginner runners, um, there's going to be no substitute to running. Um, So, you know, trying to get, you know, four, maybe five days of running, of short runs um, in would be the best. But also recognizing that things like cross training, um, are important as well, just to work on your endurance. So like biking, swimming, um, all of that kind of stuff. I don't want to just keep adding things to the training plan in the week. But um, I think, like I said before, if you plan it out properly with what works for you, um, I think it's absolutely doable to get it all in. Yeah, that's awesome. And you, you mentioned as well, you know, hard runs, easy runs, they they represent mm-hmm. different types of running sessions um, mm-hmm. and this is another variable which is why there's so many factors to to think about but for a runner who's getting started you know they often go at one single pace for all their runs mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. even the same distance for all their runs so what are mm-hmm. some different types of running sessions that um, runners can look at to pull out of their toolkit box um to 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 draw from to be able to get fitter over time but also not to overload themselves i love that question i think my number one answer would be to add strides into your base run so really the you know the goal of every runner i guess especially as as a beginner someone who's um, or just getting back into it, you know, you're getting your base runs in, you're running kind of the same pace at every run, which is fine for a certain time as you kind of build back into um, getting used to it. But if you're looking for kind of that next step, or you're starting to train for something like a 5k, um, adding strides in, which are really just um, quick bursts of speed that you would do at the end of like a um, base run is a great way to a work on your form, kind of picking up your feet, making sure you're standing tall, um, and also start to give your legs a little bit of like a taste of like what speed work might be. So before any kind of real speed work um, that I program for really any runner, beginner or intermediate, I will always start to add strides in first, just again, to give a little bit of taste and to kind of um, start to recognize what speed actually is without running the risk of injury. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It yeah. does. So awesome. a good way to vary things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and then you can also get fun and like start doing like mile repeats and, and whatever you want to kind of get into. But I feel like that's a little bit more individualized and it's hard to, hard to uh, uh, give examples of. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Cool. So, and you mentioned before that uh, I think was it Chris Johnson? Uh, yeah. And and this is this is a stat that is evidence based as well that up to eighty percent of runners do get injured. Um, and most of those are overuse injuries. So Victoria, are you able to actually explain what an overuse injury is and what are some of the main things that runners do need to put in place if they want to reduce their risk of an overuse injury? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it all comes down and I'll I'll answer the second part first. Um, I think it all comes down to, you know, finding a training plan that works for you, working with a run coach. And I think people especially if you're not familiar with running, um, let's say that's not like your passion, like both of yours and mine, it's going to be really easy to overdo it a little bit too much too soon. So um, in in order to prevent that, I'd say definitely have a training plan that allows for um, leniency and rest days and recovery days and making sure that you're not building up too quickly. But a great way to also prevent that is, um, especially if you're building up your mileage, kind of looking at your training plan and making sure you're not increasing your mileage by more than 10% a week. That's kind of my standard. Um, But anyways, let me get to the first part of the question. What is an overuse injury? So an overuse injury really, well, you have to think about, let's talk about specifically with running. Um, Running is jumping. So running is you're jumping from one foot to the other, right? And we have to recognize that on each jump, um, two to three times your body weight goes through each leg. So if we're thinking about about a thousand steps a mile, um, that's quite a lot for your muscles and your tendons to, to handle. So doing too much too soon can allow for a little bit of, um, I don't want to say breakdown, but your body's going to start to feel it when you're not prepared to handle that type of load. So an overuse injury can be really anything from, you know, tendonitis um, issue to maybe even some type of, um, I don't know, joint pain, I guess we can say it. It's not very PT of me to, <laughs> to say it like that, but um, it makes sense yeah, I mean, anything. yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, reducing that accumulation of load through gradually increasing exactly. how much running they do so roughly exactly the um mark yeah yeah right and-, and that's i think based on research um as well that like not going over 10 percent of your weekly mileage um i also read something recently and this isn't so much for the beginner and the inner maybe the intermediate population but you want to do about like put about eight hours of running in the week if you're training for let's say a marathon um but you never want to be running for more than three hours at a time because that uh, that is increases your risk of injury mm. um so that's why people are starting to say like maybe not going on that you know 20 21 mile run um before your marathon because you 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 heighten that risk um quite a bit when you're running over three hours so maybe breaking it up between two days doing back-to-back long runs, things like that is a, is a better idea. Um, sorry, that kind of took us off a tangent there. <laughs> oh, no, that's really interesting. Um, I hadn't heard that before, but um, I think that's definitely interesting to consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, cool. And and that and that makes up majority of um, injury risk, doesn't it? Like the training load itself, because majority of overuse injuries do come from those training errors. Um, yeah. I know that you're big on... Um, strength training as well. So any recommendations there for runners to incorporate into their training? 
I know. I like can't believe that we've talked for this long and it hasn't even really come up. That's so unlike me. I like can't believe it. But yeah, strength training is huge. I mean, there's really no better way to challenge your muscular system in the same way that it's going to be challenged on your run than from lifting heavy weights. Um, and that's really what it comes down to is you want to ready your body for what you're asking it to do. Um, and in a specific controlled fashion. Um, and that's where strength training comes in. And that's why I advocate for all runners to get comfortable with it, especially if you're a beginner runner and maybe you're a beginner in the weight room as well. Um, get comfortable with it. Um, and, and I really do think that not just body weight, but adding, you know, heavy weighted exercises once you've gotten the basics down, that's a must um, at, at some point in your training plan. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So good. And I think that's some, some really good tips for people to put in place. So yeah. Victoria, we are getting to the end of the episode now. But to Oh, man. Off, I know. We're having too much fun, aren't we? I know. <laughs> to finish off, are you able to leave everyone with three of your biggest learnings or tips that have made the biggest impact on your own running journey or your, your clients' success or three big things that um, you'd like to leave with the listeners? Yeah, I want to start with number one, um, never, or I shouldn't say never, but try not to lose the love for running. Um, I think that that was a big point that we kind of touched on. And um, like I've said in, in my past too, it, it's, it's kind of had its ups and downs and naturally it will, but it's always important to recognize um, that, if you're running out there, you're a runner, you're doing it for, for you, really, there's no one else that you're doing it for. And it's important to not get lost from that connection. Um, and that's, and, and once you have that, that love of it, you know, nothing else really matters. Your times don't matter. Um, the races that you sign up for don't matter and you just do it for you. And it's, it's a really beautiful thing once you can find that connection. Um, so that's my number one, um, to kind of contradict that number two is, um, it's hard to put it into words, but running shouldn't be everything. And I think that's scary for runners to recognize because runners are intense. It's like, it becomes your whole life. You have a community, you talk to people about it, you research it, you're doing it all the time. You're thinking about your runs. Um, and it can be really scary if that's your whole life and then you get injured and you can't run. Um, so I think it's important to um, maybe find uh, other interests or hobbies or recognize that um, there are other things that can give you joy um, outside of the running. And I think that can make kind of that can make running more enjoyable and not so much pressure on it. Um, and it also helps out from the injury standpoint, which is something that you and I as, as physios <laughs> will, will always kind of think about from that from that perspective. Um, number three, I'm going to end off with the, the strength training. Um, I think that's also a scary point for runners, but that has been my biggest lesson in my running journey is sometimes they may not feel like going down to the gym. It's arguably not as fun as going out for an enjoyable run, but, um, if you can get into a routine and you can kind of find what works for you in that realm, it is so, so worth it. Um, just for longevity and running and for your own well-being. Mm. Um, so, yeah. 
<laughs> really good tips. So in other words, join the runner's workshop on Tuesdays with you, right? Yes. Yes. I don't know what time that is for you. I think it's a little too early, but <laughs> what time is it in New York? It's at 5.30 PM. 5.30. Yeah. That's, so that would be really nice and early in the morning for us, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I post the exercises every time afterwards just to give a little spice to, um, so, so, I mean, I always kind of go off the basic exercises, squats, lunges, um, deadlifts, things like that. But I, I get, I'm just like everyone else. I get bored of, of some of those exercises. Sometimes it's fun to put a little spin on them a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, to to finish off, right? Like Victoria, are you able to tell us what's next for you and what um, different services you offer so that people can um, find out more about you? Absolutely. Um, that's that's a tough question because it 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 really I don't know <laughs> what's next for me. I want to keep working with runners, um, and I want to keep educating myself and and taking every course I possibly can find under the sun um, and continuing to offer more services to my clients. So right now, you know, doing a little bit of coaching, um, virtual physical therapy sessions, things like that, and hoping to just continuing to build off of that, maybe one day moving into a clinic. um, And other than that, just uh, trying to keep my my puppy alive. (laughs) Mom at the same time mom dog mom duties exactly yeah yeah (laughs) well for those who do want to find out more about um like what you offer and see cute yeah cute puppy photos and videos where are they best finding you please find me and follow me on um instagram at train smart run strong i also have a website that i uh admittedly have to work on a little bit but it's www.trainsmartrunstrong.com so you can find um, a little bit more information on both of those platforms but instagram is definitely number one yeah brilliant and that's where um we'll also be able to scroll through heaps of your reels and have a good laugh but also (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean yours are just as good so (laughs) (laughs) they're so much fun to make aren't they they are they really are (laughs) yeah well victoria thank you so much for um taking the time to come onto the show i think this conversation has been a lot of fun but also quite practical for runners whether they are like getting just getting into running or wanting to step up their running a lot of good takeaways there so thank you i'm sure that the listeners will um, get a lot out of this conversation Thank you so much for having me. That was really, that was really a fun hour or however long that was. But um, I feel like I always learn when I see all of your posts and, and talking to you and just thank you. Thank you for having this as well and having this resource for runners. And there it is. Another episode of the Aligns Performance Podcast. Once again, a big thank you to Victoria for coming onto the show and having this conversation with me. This was a great example of how powerful and how much fun running can really be. It doesn't need to be hard. It doesn't need to be arduous. It doesn't need to be competitive. But really, running is a form of physical training, a form of physical challenge, and a physical dimension to engage in to improve our quality of life. 
I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. If you do have any questions, feel free to reach out to either myself or Victoria and I'll see you in the next episode.